Welcome to the May 21st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and the sermon is entitled, Why Do Spiritual Gifts Matter? Delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. There are many times we've approached God's word, and it matters with the mindset and the heart in which we approach it. There are times in my life that I've approached the word of God feeling like it was a necessity or a burden to even open the book. That it was out of responsibility, or because I was supposed to, that I even turned the pages. And when you approach the Word of God like that, it's hard to gain something and to grasp something from the Word of God. But when you open the Word of God with God teach me and instruct my life with your Holy Word, it's amazing what God will do. And so today, I pray that this is, may just be an insight to some of you. That's the heart behind the way that I open the book today. Is God instruct us, instruct your church, Clifford Baptist Church in particular, of what we must continue on to do in your word to be more like you. So today we crack open the word and we get back into the, to the series of why things matter. And in that series, we have talked about ourself and why taking care of ourself matters. We've talked about our families and why children and marriage and all of those things matter. But today, how many of you think the church is important? Raise your hand real quick. Amen. Amen. That warms my heart. I think the church is important. I believe that we are a family that has, God has given in this season of time to spend together and to work through life together. I'm grateful for every person that is connected to the church. But when you are a believer, listen to me, I don't want to step out in my own thinking here. But I want to give you a personal opinion. I think that every person should be in church and connected to the body of church if they claim to be a Christian. And I say that, I say that is because of not what you can get, but what you have to offer the church. The Bible teaches this, that every single person in this room has something to offer not only the church, but the building of the kingdom of God. You have ownership, you have responsibility, you have gifts, and you have talents that are beneficial to the work of God. And if you are not connected with other believers or connected to God in a place where you can use them, there are those people that are not reaping the benefits of what God has gifted you. Now, I hope I didn't lose you in that. But with that said today... I'm not recruiting you to be a member of Clifford Baptist Church. But here's what I want you to know. That every person in this room, if you are saved, has a spiritual gift that needs to be used by the Lord. To bring glory to His name and to build His kingdom. And it's up to us to realize and recognize what that gift is and to use it. I'm going to come back to this, but have you ever been given a gift that you never used? Just keep that right here, that you never used. We're going to come back to that. With that, I want to go to God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I want to go there today as we open the Word of God. 
and we read together the first three verses. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. As we talk about why spiritual gifts matter. Here's what it says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Point number one today of why spiritual gifts matter is this. Spiritual gifts matter because spiritual gifts come from the Lord. It's not anything that you can do to pick and choose your spiritual gifts. But here's what God's word says. As Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Remember, he's not writing to a a, a church and a people that are doing great things all the time. He's writing to a people that are continually backsliding and looking to uh, other gods that they have worshipped in the past. But he writes to a people that at one time used to worship pagan gods. And they continue to dabble there a little bit. Yes, they want to worship Jesus, but they don't want to worship him with everything they have. They want to go back to some of their pagan rituals. And so Paul writes to instruct this church and the people of this church and how they should worship. And he begins in verse number 2 saying this, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. As Paul writes in this verse number 2, he said, These dumb or these mute idols, you have worshipped them in your past and you continue to worship them. However that happened, there is a warning in Scripture here. Who you worship matters. I'm going to say that one more time. Who you worship matters. And if you continue going back to the old things, that is going to be what you will worship. And so it's the warning to the church. Don't you dare go back to those old pagan gods that you used to worship. There's something much better. But he offers a warning here twofold. In verse number two, he said, you were led away before. That's the first warning. You were led away before following mute or dumb idols. And number two, don't be ignorant again. Now, I want to say this. If I make a mistake one time, it could be out of because I didn't know. But if I make a mistake again, it's shame on me because I know better. I grew up like that. I grew up with a mother like that that reminded me one mistake, mercy was shown. The second time, it wasn't shown. But here's the warning. Quit going back and worshiping those false idols, those false gods. Paul is simply trying to inform the church and believers of what their lives should look like as they worship Jesus Christ. And he takes it a step further in verse number 3. Look there. It says this, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Ghost. As Paul writes to this church, he understands a couple of things that are going on. 
And the first one is this, that there are some false teachers in the church that are claiming Jesus as Lord. And guess what? They are lying. They are false teachers. Paul says, a man speaking by the Spirit of God, he does not call Jesus accursed. So if there's somebody, whether they're standing here or in a classroom that speaks negatively about Jesus Christ, you better mark that person. And that's the warning here. There's not going to be a teacher in the church that accurses or curses Jesus and who he is. Be careful. If someone speaks down to who Jesus is, that is a warning. But also, the second part of that verse says this. No man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Can I translate that for you today? The only reason... That you and I can claim Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. is because the Holy Ghost has drawn us to do that. Here's what scripture says. And John chapter 6 verse 44 says this. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draws him. The only way that we can come through Christ is through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm grateful for that work. And I'm grateful that after I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, that the Holy Spirit resides in me. Church, do you understand that? As a Christian, Jesus lives in you. That makes me shudder sometimes to think that that's where the Spirit of God dwells. And the only reason that that the words Jesus is Lord can come out is because the Spirit that is in My prayer today is that there are many Christians today that don't hide the words, Jesus is Lord. Because if we're doing that, we are quenching the Spirit of God. Here is the reminder that Jesus is Lord and the Holy Spirit is living in you. And that we have something to offer God. Look at verses 4 through 7. Now, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Point number two, spiritual gifts are different in each person or in everyone. Spiritual gifts are different in everyone. The Greek word charismata is given here as the word for gifts. It is the word that we get charismatic from. And when we think of a charismatic person, can I be honest with you? What's the first thing you think about? Somebody running around and doing crazy stuff. Running the aisles or dancing or some of those things. But that's not necessarily what is meant by the gift of spirit. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But here's what I want to say. That word gift that is given here is that it tells us there are diversities, but every person is given a gift. In these scriptures that I just read, in verse number 4 in particular, we see there are diversities of gifts. There are different varieties of gifts. And these spiritual gifts are to be used and appreciated From God Almighty and used for God Almighty. But also when we think about spiritual gifts in verses 4 and 5 and 6. 
Paul uses the word differences and diversities a couple different times. And it says this. You can't measure your gift up to somebody else's gift. If you look at somebody and say, oh, they have a great gift of teaching. I wish I could teach like they do. You are going in the wrong direction. Because you are wishing for a gift that not, has not been given to you. You are coveting a gift of God. I want you to see that the giver of the gift, the one behind the gift, is important. And, and you see that. I hope you see that. I'm going to point it out so that you will see that in the Trinity here. In these verses, do you see in verse 4, the Spirit, verse number 5, Lord, and verse number 6, God. We see the Trinity laid out in Scripture. I know that we do not see the word Trinity there, but evidence of the Trinity and God at work are there. And so I want you to know as these gifts are given, it is so easy for Christians to sit back and look and say, Oh man, I wish I could do just like they do. And I wish I could do that. Can I be honest with you? I wish I could preach like Mike Fitzgerald. But God didn't make me to be Mike Fitzgerald. God has gifted me a little bit different. And our teaching styles and the way that we teach, we're different. But boy, I treasure that gift. There have been times where I've watched people minister and I said, Oh, if I could just do it like they did it. God has not called you to do something as somebody else has done it. God has called you to do something as Jesus done it and as you're gifted to do it. Many times, Christians sit on the sidelines taking score of spiritual gifts, of gifts that they would like or wish they had or areas they wish they were stronger. Don't look for those things. Know that we are all different and you need to serve God in the way that you are gifted. There are different gifts But the same gifter is behind it. I'm going to say that one more time. Differing gifts, but the same gifter is behind it. They come from the Lord. And it's important to know this. It's important to remember where they come from. Many times, I've seen people get so caught up in pride and get arrogant and think it's all about them. Hey, listen, church, don't put Jeffrey's name on nothing and I'll be okay. Because when it comes about you and what you can do, you've lost it. Church, it's about what you can do for God and His kingdom. And building that kingdom while you're here on this earth. The benefit of people using their gift is not to impress someone. It's not to build yourself up. But here is the, is the primary source of using your gift. Is that God Almighty be glorified through what you do and others will see Jesus through that how many of us today will say Lord I want you to use me to show Jesus to somebody that needs him I would think all over this sanctuary maybe those that are watching live stream maybe that's our heart's desire search out where you're gifted and find out where where you're going to use those gifts and start doing it I'm going to give you a little hint here and just a little bit of how to search and find out what that gift is. So we must remember, point number two, that spiritual gifts are different. Don't compare yourself. Don't compare your gift to what others 
have. Verses 8 through 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers' kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And I know that when we begin to talk about this, I know the radars start going off. Here's what I want you to know in point number three. Spiritual gifts are not limited to a list. Spiritual gifts are not limited to a list. You may look at this list that I just read out and say, I I don't have any of those. I must not be gifted by God. That's not true. That's not true at all. If you take your Bibles, don't you can write this down if you're taking notes. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10 and 28 through 30. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. And 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. These are areas in which Scripture speaks and lists different spiritual gifts that are available. And what Peter and Paul are doing are they're trying to give insight into these areas of special gifts. They're not trying to say, this is all that you have to work with. And if you don't have one on the list, oh, I'm sorry, you're not gifted by God. I'm sorry, you just missed the boat. Good thing I didn't, good thing singing didn't on there, right? Because I'd have missed the boat long ago. But here's the thing I told our connections class this morning. It's good to know where you're gifted and it's also good to know where you're not gifted. And it's okay to say no when somebody asks you to do something and you're, it's an area you're not gifted. Don't ask me to change baby's diapers. Don't do it. But for some of you say, don't you dare ask me to stand up there and preach. Or don't you dare ask me to stand there and teach. Or I'm nervous when I go into a nursing home and minister to somebody. I'm nervous when I go to a hospital and pray for somebody. There are areas where we all are strong and there are areas where we are all are weak. But in this list... As we are given, different people uh, are given different gifts. But I want to touch on each of these gifts that are listed in this text only. And I'm going to hit the high-level marks, so hold on tight. The first one in verse number 8 that is mentioned is wisdom. Wisdom through the Spirit. Wisdom is not earned or learned. I want you to know that, but it is gifted by the Spirit of God. Godly wisdom has earthly value. Remember that. Godly wisdom has earthly value. With this gift, it is more than knowledge. It is more than common sense. It is the ability to handle situations that arise in a peaceable manner. Some of you are gifted like that. Some of you have wisdom and the gift that is there. The second one mentioned in verse number 8 is knowledge. It is a knowledge that comes from something greater than a book, a class, or an experience. But it is to know things as God has gifted it to you. But it also includes the pursuit to know the things of God. So if you know somebody that just loves the Bible and loves uh, to know more. There may be a gift of knowledge there. I walk into some homes visiting. And there's one in particular that's in my brain right now. And as I walk in that living room. There's a table and a couch. and Everything is covered with Bibles and, and knowledge. And trying to gain all, all knowledge that can be gained. It's amazing to see. I'm grateful for that. Faith. 
You may say, Pastor Jeffrey, faith. Faith as a spiritual gift. Absolutely, faith as a spiritual gift. Faith is beyond saving faith. Faith is a stronger uh, will to believe in Jesus and what he can do without hesitation or doubt or question. There are some dear saints in this room that are gifted with faith. No matter what they face, they know this. God has it. And God will take care of it. I know this. I may not be gifted as strong there as other places. Because sometimes those seeds of doubt creep in. Maybe you recognize this in a gift of someone as you think across your life and, and look back on their life. Someone that was instrumental in pointing you to Jesus. I'm grateful for the people that stand in faith. Stand on faith no matter what. They know if they are facing a mountain that needs to be moved, they know God will move the mountain. That's what the gift of faith is like. Healing. Does God still heal? Okay, I'm just making sure. Absolutely he does. God still heals. And he uses doctors. And I, here's my words. Medicine and miracle. God uses those things to heal. And he still does that today. The early servants of the Lord had those gifts and we want them just like they had them. We want to be able to touch somebody and see them healed. That's the way that we think of healing. And that's not always necessarily the case. It's not just a physical healing. It could be an emotional, a mental, or spiritual healing. And so healing is in different realms and capacities. But there are times where we prayed for somebody, and I want to attest to you of my God and healing. We prayed for Aaron Hope Coleman for so long. And after 33 surgeries, her airway is healed. God still heals. A young teenager has been through 33 surgeries on her voice and her airway. And finally, finally, it's healed. I praise God. For doctors and nurses, medicine and miracle, both who work together to perform that miracle. When I think of healing, many times our eyes go to the New Testament and we want to heal like Jesus healed. Listen, you're not God. You're not Jesus. Maybe what God wants you to do is over and over for the rest of your life, hit your knees and depend on Him and pray for the healing on somebody else. It's not just the touch that makes it happen. It's the God of the touch that makes it happen. Get in tune with God and allow Him to do the work through your prayers. Miracles in verse number 10. We read about them throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament and especially around the years of Jesus' earthly ministry. For three years, miracles surrounded Jesus. The miracle is something that confronts or contradicts the law of the natural world and man. But here's where we have to be careful. Our eyes cannot be focused on the miracle. Our eyes must be focused on faith behind the miracle worker who is Jesus Christ. Faith interjects in miracles. 
And the greatest miracle, if we're not careful, I pray in some time in your lifetime, you have experienced the greatest miracle that can ever happen in somebody's life. It's not that somebody is raised from the dead. It is not somebody that walks or sees again. The greatest miracle that can ever happen is somebody giving their life to Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, church, we'll get comfortable and miss the greatest miracle that happens before our eyes on a weekly basis. Miracles still happen. Are we missing them? Prophecy. Verse number 10. It is the ability to declare and predict and proclaim and to make known the things of God. From Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse number 3, says this. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So when we think of prophesying or prophecy, we have a description of what that is to be used for. It is to be used for edification or building somebody up. It is to be used for exhortation or encouraging somebody or comforting somebody. And so we've got to be careful here. Many times we think of prophecy as somebody predicting the end of the world. Don't get caught up in that because that's not prophecy. It could be, but prophecy encourages or warns in areas where they are needed. Do not, do not get wrapped up in somebody telling you when the world is going to end or when Jesus is going to come back because the Bible says nobody knows. Don't waste your time there. But there are many people, and I'm going to step back here and say this. There are many people that are waiting for the Lord to return. I'm one of them. Every time something, some cloud in the sky, in the eastern sky, looks funny, I, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking. But friends, I'm not sweating bullets because if Jesus comes back, it's only heaven to gain for me. Some people are so worried about Jesus coming back that they're not, they're not ministering while they're here. If you're worried about Jesus coming back and the prophecy that follows that, get to work and witness to people. Win souls for Jesus Christ. Make a difference. Sorry, I got on a tangent there. I'm sorry about that. Verse number 10 speaks to discernment. It's the ability to evaluate actions and needs within the church, but also that surrounds the Bible. Discerning good from evil or right from wrong, what, the, what, what you should do in a situation. And that could be also in the life of the church. If somebody has the gift of discernment, they have wisdom probably to say, hey, we should do this or we shouldn't do this. Discernment is a key gift there. Verse number 10 also speaks of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Tongues is a language unknown to the person that is speaking, but it is known to those who hear it. In that unknown language, it must be a language that praises God and draws the hearers to Him. Listen, it doesn't mean you put on a show. It doesn't mean that you are filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean any of those things. When someone speaks in tongues, there must be someone also that interprets. And so we've got to be careful with this. It's not what you see on TV. That's not speaking in tongues or that's not filled with the Spirit. But here's the question, and it is debated within the circles of Christianity. Some people believe these gifts have all ended. Some of them believe certain ones of them have ended. And some believe that they're still all available. I see God working through these ways still today. I see that. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 13, you can write that in your margin. I want you to read it. Yes, yes, it is the love chapter, okay? But here's, here's, the, here's the point of that chapter. Following this chapter, you remember, you remember these words. Though I speak with tongues of men of angels and have not charity or love, I become as a sounding brass. And I have the gift of prophecy. And understand all mysteries and knowledge. And through all I have faith that I could move mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. Read that chapter in the light of spiritual gifts. And you tell me what you decide. Down in chapter number 13, in verse number 8, it says, Love never fails. So love should be the key behind anything, any gift that is given. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. When should it vanish away? Verse number 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I'm not going to sit here and teach you a theology lesson or an argument. Those verses are used to debate whether spiritual gifts still happen or not. I want you to know that I see the Lord still working in many of the areas that we have talked about this morning. Here's the key. Spiritual gifts, it's just one part of the puzzle. It does not mean that you're not saved. It does not mean any of that. It's just one part of the puzzle. So many people, maybe even in this room, disagree about spiritual gifts. It is okay knowing that Jesus Christ is still Savior of all. Last point, verse number 11. Look there, please. But all of these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Point number four today is spiritual gifts are given where they are needed. I hope you've heard this time and time again today that God gives the gift as he does it separate and to each one as he needs them. He works them, he appropriates the gifts where they are needed. Now, I told you I would come back to this point as we wrap up our thinking today on why spiritual gifts matter. Spiritual gifts matter to me because if you are not using your gift and the, God, the gift that God has given you, somebody else may not know Jesus. Somebody else may not come to know Jesus. You may be the only time that somebody hears about Jesus. But spiritual gifts, and I asked you the question earlier, have you ever gotten a gift that you never used? You remember that question, right? Here's what my wife uh, instituted in our home. Not that it's right, wrong, or different, okay? But at Christmas time, our boys, as they were younger, would get lots of gifts. Everybody understand that, right? And what happens when young kids get gifts, they tear through those gifts, they open the packages, they open them all up, and about a week later, the newness has worn off and none of them are sufficient anymore. All the Christmas gifts are old stuff then. And then they just want the box that it came in, and that was good enough, you know. But so what Terry did is as our kids were growing up, and our parents and family showered them with gifts, they would open them all, they would open up all the gifts, but she would reserve some of those gifts that they could not play with then, and they had to wait till later on in the year. Does that make sense? So sometimes in April or May of the year, they would get a new toy that they'd never taken out of the box. And they played with it and played with it and played with it after they got tired of the 20 other toys that they played with. Now, I use this to wind up my sermon today. Spiritual gifts have value. But spiritual gifts have 
no value number in two ways. Number one, if you aren't using it. And number two, if you haven't received it. There are many here today that are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, by God Almighty, through Jesus Christ, that are using their gifts. Praise be to God. But there are some here today, Christian good people, that have unwrapped their gift and they just left it on the shelf. Just like my boys. I'll come back and I'll play with it later. I'll pick it up later when I need it or when I want it. That's not the way it's intended. It's a gift given by God used to impact a people for Him. And so today, if you are here, there may be somebody in this room that may say, Pastor Jeffrey, I don't know. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Here's what I want to tell you. Go figure it out. It's not, I can't tell you what your gift is. Here's, here's, the, here's the formula. Ready? This was told to me a long time ago regarding spiritual gifts. Something you know that you're good at. Something that you're passionate about. And something that others see God using you doing. When those three areas overlap, that's your gift. Go after it. Does that make sense? I'm going to say it one more time. Something that you know you're good at. And then something that you're passionate about when those things overlap. And then something where somebody else recognizes God is using you here. That could be your gift. One of the areas that I see it, many in this room work in the medical field. And I don't know how many nurses and, and teachers and people of the church that I've seen in the places where God has gifted you. Pouring out your gift as God uses it. That is where your spiritual gift is. So today, you may be searching here and say, Hey, Pastor, I don't know what my gift is. I'm going to say, go after it right now. You know how to get there, okay? Lastly today, if you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Jeffrey, I don't have a gift. I don't have a gift. Here's what that means. Here's what that simply means that you may not have received it. The way that you receive your gift is receiving the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, as Savior in your life. And once you receive that gift of salvation, God begins to work and pour through you that you will use your gifts for Him. Friends, today, maybe there's somebody in this room that before they talk about a gift of the, of, of the spiritual gifts, maybe we need to talk about the gift of salvation. The Bible says very simply that all of us are sinful. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I love this verse. In Romans chapter number 5. While we were yet sinners. What does it say? Go ahead. Christ died for us. Today, there may be somebody in this room that has not received that gift as Christ died for your sin on a cross, laid in a tomb for three days and rose on the third day to defeat death and the grave. Today, salvation can be yours if you just come before Him. The Bible says in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead and thou shalt be Saved. The greatest gift in all the world today is not something your mom or dad can give you. It's something that's already been bought and paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. His death 
will give you life forever. Today, if you need that, this moment of invitation is for you. This moment of invitation is for every person. As we approach God, thinking of why spiritual gifts matter, because eternity depends on it. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, and seek your will and your way in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to speak about spiritual gifts. And as Paul instructed the early church to use those gifts to reach the world for Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that you would implore a body here in Clifford, Virginia, to continue to using their gifts to to minister to those that need it. Father, today, if there's somebody that needs the greatest gift of all, salvation through Jesus Christ, God, I pray they realize they're nothing but a sinner. And Jesus died for sinners. Jesus loves sinners enough to die for every one of them on a cruel cross. To take their payment for for sin and and through his death give them life. God, I pray, Lord, today that you will lead us in this moment of invitation as we come before you now. And seek your direction in every one of our lives. Lead us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.